Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. So you will hopefully be able to tell from this video uh, recording, and if you're going to listen to this on audio, there might be some awkward things because it was a live stream. I was this was my first live stream ever, and I was with Kate Christian from EcoCycle. You can see their website here on the screen. If you don't, it's EcoCycle.org. E C O C Y C L E dot O R. G and Kate is, uh, you'll see right at the very beginning, she introduces herself as the Miss Frizzle of Recycling and it only gets more fun and interesting from there as she breaks down what is happening in the recycling world, how recycling occurs, why it is problematic for some of the materials that we are putting into the recycling stream and some of the things that you can do as a consumer to help keep recycling going forward. Um, so I want you to enjoy this interview. I hope to have Kate back on, uh, perhaps even do some kind of a video where I go on site to EcoCycle when, uh, fingers crossed, we can open back up um, and, and share with you a little bit more about it because it is so critically important to the future of not just the packaging industry, but also our world. So uh, super pumped to bring you this interview with Kate Christian from EcoCycle. EcoCycle. Check it out. I feel like Miss Frizzle. <laughs> from the is it the magic uh, school bus magic school bus yeah just the miss frizzle of recycling i think that's the awesome <laughs> i am a hundred percent that's how you're getting introduced right now it's now live streaming on facebook <laughs> and you are you are the miss frizzle of recycling i am cool that is me um, I don't even know how to see if people are viewing this or not, but uh, I'm going to keep looking for that and I'm going to see if there's a way to manage comments. Oh, here we go. Look, I got it. I got it right here. So maybe I can see comments, but we're live. So uh, I'm super excited to continue our conversation that has been ongoing for 30 minutes, uh, mostly about how much we suck at technology. Um, but uh, I, I got to meet Kate. Uh, I think you were on a webinar that I that I watched talking about sustainability and recycling, um, and and I I was hopeful that this could go out on LinkedIn Live, but for some reason it's struggling. But it's cool that we can be on Facebook because everybody needs to understand recycling because everybody is responsible for making EcoCycle's life. A little bit easier and just recyclers in general so um, it's gonna be cool to jump in hopefully some people can comment ask questions um, I know it's gonna be hard for some people to believe this but um, you are in Boulder correct yeah and I am not allowed to like anybody from Boulder so but here we are um, it's you're not allowed to like anyone from Boulder no because I went to Colorado State so you know, I'm a Rammy and there's a okay. little CU thing and it's, it's fine. I've gotten over it a little bit. I graduated 20 years ago and I, I just sort of now got over it, honestly. All right. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I didn't go to see you. So. Oh, know. great. Yeah, like, we can be friends. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kate, uh, why don't you, uh, so we're live on Facebook. Um, we're recording this and we'll figure out a way to make it into a podcast episode, but this is a different one. I've never done this before. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself other than the fact that you live in Boulder and you work for EcoCycle and you are the Miss Frizzle of recycling. Um, so what, what else uh, should we, should we know about you? Uh, the self-proclaimed Miss Frizzle of recycling for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess knowing about me isn't quite terribly interesting. I have a background in food systems, um, from Green Mountain. Went to College of the Atlantic, a little hippie school off the coast of Maine. We call it Hippie Harvard, a castle. It was a cool place to go to school, very similar to a Boulder bubble. Um, okay. But yeah, that's it for me. But EcoCycle is so much more interesting. We've been around. No, 
No, Kate, no. No. I mean, I'm saying EcoCycle is super interesting, but my podcast is the people of packaging. And so you can't just drop, uh, I went to the hippie Harvard on this thing (laughs) off of Maine. I'd have never met anybody who has graduated from the hippie Harvard. I call Colorado State the Harvard of the Rockies, because every, but everybody just knows that it's the Harvard of the Rockies at this point. Um, so I don't even have to say it anymore because we're just uh-huh. much more superior to everybody else. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you, did you grow up in Maine? Is that? No, I'm from okay. Buffalo originally. So I'm a Rust Belt kid. Uh, my uncle or my grandpa and my great grandpa were the Icemen in Buffalo. So they would drive this old, old uh, Ford with these massive blocks of ice and they would haul them up three flights of stairs to go in your ice box and things like that. So we have roots in uh, <clears throat> Buffalo. And then I went to Maine and when I went to go see the college, um, which College of the Atlantic, um, they took us on a trip into a cranberry bog, pick cranberries. Like that was their way of getting us to like the school. <laughs> I was like, I need, I need this in my life. So I went to a school that had 350 students in all four years, which was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, pretty. uh, They're kind of known for their football, though, right? Mostly. Oh, no, not at all. Actually, I've never heard of the College of the Atlantic. (laughs) We have we had no organized sports. (laughs) We played Quidditch at one point. I think that was the. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But, you know, you know that my children are now all going to this school. They're like, there's a school in Maine that I can go play Quidditch at. I'm in. Oh, and there's like a Bar Island swim every year. So really, it's like they wait till it's just cold enough to make you hypothermic when you swim out to Bar Island. And then you swim back, or at least in my day, that's what you did. It was like a a school-wide hazing. It was fabulous. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Okay, so hippie Harvard, uh, Quidditch star, uh, you know, you, you, you obviously... Um, you know, and you majored in, what did you say it was again? Uh, so at College of the Atlantic, it was human ecology. Um, and I focused on uh, social entrepreneurship was my main thing. Nice. And, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, and then I went to Green Mountain College where I got a master's in sustainable food systems. Sustainable food systems. Um, and then you found a home in Boulder. Like all of this is leading up to... Boulder is perfect. <laughs> I actually moved to Boulder before master's degree, but yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, good food, good people. I get to play in the mountains. Right. I'm cool with that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, that's that's super cool. So uh, I wasn't just going to let you get off, but I I'm, I am excited to hear and talk a little bit more about EcoCycle for sure. So I will give you that moment now, but you. We learned about Quidditch and uh, Bar Island, and we never would have known that. So I've got endless stories. But. Oh my gosh! So okay, so EcoCycle. Uh, by the way, we're really crushing it on Facebook right now. We have one viewer, so shout out to it's probably my mom uh, <laughs> or my mom. If you or your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're so proud of us. We made it. Uh, so, uh, so EcoCycle, um, I, I've come to really appreciate what you guys do, um, and and the reason why I'm excited to be live on Facebook is because um, recycling is a, a responsibility for all of us. Um, and so, tell tell everybody what EcoCycle is, and then I can't wait to talk about this beer can. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, So EcoCycle has been around for about 40 years. So 1976, it was started with a bunch of, I'm not supposed to say hippies with a bus, but really that's what it was. It's a bunch of residents in the area were really passionate about recycling, came together and they started one of the first of 20 municipalities to have curbside recycling in the U.S., which was a pretty big deal. Uh, Before that, you really think about recycling more as like think wartime efforts with like aluminum scrap metal and all that kind of collection right yeah Um, we've come a very very long way from our our buses without windows and doors that we used to drive around Um, people they used to walk behind the buses and throw the materials into the back of the bus 
and haul it back to uh, the, you'll hear me say the term MRF, which is Material Reclamation Facility or Recycling Center. It's like a lot with- okay, Hang on, with I think you cut out just a little bit. Material Recovery Facility, right? Yep, or Material Reclamation Facility. Okay, so, got it. Yep. Um, back then it was really just a lot and a lot of people doing things by hand. Now we still run the MRF, but it's uh, more automated. There's still folks on the line, but we have lasers and things like that. So that's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, but that's do, you ever, do you ever wish that you had sharks with laser beams on their heads? I mean, remember that quote? Every day. Do you remember that from I, the I, Austin Powers? I do remember that from Austin Powers. Yeah. And yeah. It would is, make, that is a, a wish. It'd make recycling cooler. Um, I mean, by the end of this, everybody's going to think recycling is pretty freaking cool. Obviously, obviously. At least our <laughs> like moms. If I could <laughs> on the board, the magic school bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, uh, so you guys have automated the uh, the MRF, um, the MRF uh, system, and that's happened mm -hmm. over a process of forty years. Um, yeah. Cool. So, what other awesome stuff about EcoCycle should we know? Well, the cool thing about EcoCycle. I mean, there's so many, um, but not only do we run a MRF, so yeah, we're recyclers, but we also haul the materials, which gives us a completely different outlook on things. But we also are involved in policy and campaigns. We go into the schools with our Green Star School Program, which is absolutely incredible. Every single kid in Boulder County has been through um, the recycling center. So they know, they know more than their parents do when I take adults on tours and they bring their kids with them, the kid's like, that's a stupid question, ma. Like, this is the answer. So cool. Um, but then we also have our business development, which I do. So it's, um, I run the Green Star Business Program. It's a, it's a network of businesses that want to be leaders in sustainability in their industry, which is really cool. So we have folks like Google and Prana and Avery Brewing, Night Eyes, big companies involved in that yeah. that are all taking a stand and working together trying to figure out how they can be more sustainable. Um, yeah, we have a zero waste events program. We've got some really cool stuff. That's awesome. And yeah. and working, you know, working with these big these big brands, it doesn't it doesn't mean that small brands don't have responsibility. It just means that big brands can help to drive change at a scale that is is meaningful and really create value and at some point in time we'll talk about that idea or that concept of you know value creation so ecocycle is also um different right in that you are a non-profit um or a not-for-profit i don't know what the differences are but um and and that's different and a lot of people don't realize that a lot of recycling centers are privately held for-profit businesses um, what does that allow you to do uh, differently, maybe, than somebody else? Yeah. Um, so I think the thing that you hear mainly right now is that um, recycling is dead. I, I can't, like, the number of times I hear that and I want to, like, reach through my computer screen and shake somebody. Um, it's not dead, broken, but that's because a lot of it's for profit. EcoCycle is one of the largest nonprofit recyclers in the country. So what we're able to do is we really focus on mission. So, you know, I, over the last year or so, I've heard people say like, well, recyclers are just landfilling materials and things like that. Well, if you're looking at a for-profit business and you're not able to make money on the materials that you're collecting, a lot of places have to cut their losses. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm companies so we're trying to figure we make it work we're a social enterprise first and foremost right so what we do at ecocycle what i think is so innovative is that we're really showing proof of concept of these programs that we have not only are they creating positive change but they're doing so in a sustainable financially sustainable manner right so we also run the center for hard to recycle materials here in um Boulder County. We call it the charm for short. Um, but we take hard to recycle materials like yoga mats and bubble wrap and styrofoam and porcelain toilets and cooking grease, bike tires, fabric, electronics, really cool stuff, mattresses. But that's because we're, again, a social enterprise. Right. 
the end market for those materials. And we have partnerships developed that allow us to do that. So what we do with showing that proof of concept, we can take it and help other areas develop similar programs and use that as a, a tablet or a template. There we yeah, go. There it is. Moving forward, excuse me, I'm gonna take another sip of coffee. Yeah, 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 you should do that. Uh, <laughs> So uh, while you're doing that, I'll ask you, I'll ask you a, a, a question about that. So do you foresee a, uh, a future state with when it comes to these hard to recycle things where for-profit um, enterprises can, you know, profit from this? And, and is that only when, um, because I'm not, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not super, uh, I can tend to be a little Pollyanna sometimes, um, you know, everything's going to be great. But at the end of the day, I also recognize that it, we have a very capitalistic society and people are trying to make as much money as possible. And you can either like rage against the machine and fight the system um, and say that it shouldn't be that way. But do you see a, a situation where we can take these difficult to recycle things and, and actually create commerce out of it? For sure. I mean, there's also the aspect of even if a bit of for profit wasn't running a charm, if we look at like the materials that you get back, uh, I believe it's Coca-Cola says that one of the biggest challenges that they have in adding more uh, PCR or post-consumer recycled content to their bottles is that they can't get enough recycled content. They can't get the content. They can't get enough plastic um, that has been recycled to use in their new bottles. Well, if we look at something like a charm, well, how many other materials are we throwing into a landfill that could actually reduce the cost of manufacturing mm -hmm. for these bigger companies, right? So, yeah. like, I mean, that right there on its most basic level, the landfill is essentially a hole in the ground that you're throwing, throwing money into. <laughs> that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Um, so, to me, I think the more the more we're collecting and the more we're able to funnel back into a system for reuse and remanufacturing, that's where that huge benefit's gonna be coming into. Right, and you guys are doing, um, is it primarily mechanical recycling? Or are you have you dipped your toes into the chemical recycling component of things? We don't, no, we do mechanical recycling. Okay, cool. Um, and, and that, that's been an interesting thing to watch with like the uh, Sustainable Packaging Coalition um, and, and people trying to innovate on both fronts. And I think it's, I think with what we have right now, it's, it's certainly, you know, I think it's necessary because this whole concept of sustainability with packaging is, is it's kind of convoluted. I mean, even, even a basic question like what is sustainability with packaging is like a well how much time you got sit back grab a yeah cup. right yeah because it's not you know i'll give you a great example so um i put a uh post from uh, brent nelson who works for amazon they're a small internet startup they might make tell it tell me about them <laughs> yeah they may make it um and uh like books like an online bookstore um plus mm. a few other things so oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Brent made this post about something that Tide was doing for e-commerce. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I, I kind of like this, what they did. It, you know, they replaced the big plastic jug and they made a bag in a box. And it's, it's been on some of the packaging things. And um, it's probably the most like interactive post I've ever had on LinkedIn. It's got 6,000 views and all sorts of, and I was, it, because it was like controversial, people were mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. But the, you know, the, the tide, the, the old, I don't even know what it is, HDPE or poly, mm -hmm. PET, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't know what they're made out of because that's not my forte, but whatever the material is, rightly they're saying is recyclable. Right. I'm like, yes, this, th this was designed though for e-commerce. So if you think about it from an e-commerce perspective, yeah, the bag in the box is probably more difficult to recycle because it's got the it's got two things, but the bag going to tide, the bag ships flat, the yeah. caps ship in a box and the box ships flat and you got to have a box to ship your stuff anyways. And so all of that's coming to the facility flat and then it all gets filled and the box, you don't need an extra box anymore. You don't need void fill. 
you don't need any of that. It's just filled and it's, it's gone. Right. Um, and so th- again, th- this concept of sustainability with, with packaging, people were like, there were some people who were like, this is stupid. And I'm like, yeah, because P and G does not, you know, employ some of the brightest packaging engineers in the world. Like, I'm sure that you're correct. It's not like there's a very real reason. And it, there is a sustainability component to it. Um, it may not be the best from recycling and material recovery, but it does have some component to it. And that's the stuff that I think this is the reason why we need, long story kind of short, uh, this is the reason why we need mechanical recycling to continue to innovate and grow. And we should also be probably trying to see what types of other ways can we do material recovery? Um, because, I mean, there, there are people who are like, yeah, our landfills are sources of fuel if we can do it correct. And, and I don't right. know what you're like, but anyway. There's, there, okay, like there's so many different things <laughs> that I want to touch on. <laughs> Let's do it. And I still can't wait to talk about the aluminum can. <laughs> Me too. That's my thing. That and grain bags. We can talk about those. Um, All right. I have them in my car. I could grab one if you really wanted to see one too. First off, the tied packaging thing. Super interesting, cool concept. And honestly, when people say, well, yeah, that thing was fully recyclable before, they're not wrong. But there's levels to this game, right? Yeah. You, you have to, we also can't let perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's a, also a great step away from those paperboard uh, bottles that we were getting that were lined with plastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they were throwing them in the recycling and it's a multiple material item. We don't like those <laughs> as a recycler. We want one material to go into one bin so we can say this is all HDPE here or whatever right. that material But um, things like chemical recycling, like they're, they're downsides there you know there's like we have to work within i'm not saying we shouldn't innovate but i'm saying we should also take keep in mind what we can recycle well um so we can recycle cardboard well yeah (laughs) we can recycle aluminum really well we can really like glass to get into like the perfect example here on the front range we have a local end market that is so, so very important. Shipping glass across the country is heavy. It's gonna expend a lot of fossil fuels, all of that. But what we do, we have a railroad track right outside our MRF. All of our crumbled up glass gets shipped on the train down to um, Momentum Glass. It's turned into glass bottles. It goes back on the train and goes to Rocky Mountain Bottling. I believe they're in Golden and they get filled with cores. There's a six week turnaround when that glass is back on the shelf here in Colorado. That's That's crazy. That's huge. So so glass for us is like, that's our bread and butter. It's, it really is. What you need are end markets. So we can't just say like the solution for Boulder is gonna be the solution for every other place. So we need to be a little bit more localized when we're thinking about what's accessible or figure out what that overarching true, what those overarching truths are, right? Like cardboard is recyclable. I don't know that many people that are throwing out cardboard. Same thing with, you should not be throwing out aluminum or scrap metal. Those are things that we've always been able to recycle pretty well. So if we start trying to, what's that low hanging fruit that we know people can make money recycling? Yeah. Great starting point. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, packaging, uh, like a lot of the packaging engineers and, uh, and packaging designers, it's, it's probably pretty important as well for them to understand what has, what has life, um, at the end of its cycle and, and to design, there's actually a group in Boulder that, um, uh, that you and I both know interact Boulder and their, their things is designed for consequence. Um, and I think that's really important. And uh, so let's talk about aluminum then, shall we? Because yes, this, has become, this has become my, uh, my little pet peeve on this thing. Um, 
So I got, an, a, this is a local brewery here in town and um, my can's a little crumpled up, but on it, you can see that I've got the please recycle, which is a great message. And I see this stuff all of the time. Um, I saw it on, and sometimes I don't even know what it means. It just has the three arrows and I'm like, am I, supposed, yeah. am I supposed to recycle this? What am I supposed to do with this thing? Or are you telling me it's made from recycled material? I don't understand what to do. And so I think two things probably happen and both of them are probably a little detrimental or a lot detrimental to you. One, they recycle it. So, and this is what you and I have discussed. This has a shrink sleeve on it, this aluminum can. So I look at that, I go, oh, please recycle. I'll do that. It's, a, it's aluminum. I'm used to this. I know what to do with this. I throw it in the recycling bin. Um, or I get it and I'm like, I don't, can this be recycled? And I throw it in the trash, which is sad because aluminum is infinitely recyclable. So uh, working for a company who manufactures shrink sleeves and who manufactures labels that go onto these cans, I have been telling anybody and everybody that I can. Um, which isn't, it's as many people as I possibly can. You have to take it off, or at least it's, it's a best practice to take it off. And, and I thought that beforehand, because I'm like, this is made from PET, or it's made from PVC, the, the shrink sleeve, and you probably don't want that with aluminum, just in general. It's probably a bad idea. Um, and then after my conversation with you, I became like, hell bent on it. I'm like telling my wife and kids, like, don't put the, you go to take the thing off of it if you're going to do that. I'm not going to do it and throw it in the trash. And they're like, whoa, calm down. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, let's have this gigantic audience of two. Um, let's let them know we got up to four, but then, you know, they had to go to work. So, uh, so why is it so important to, to have purity when it comes to aluminum recycling specifically and recap that conversation that you and I had with, uh, with respect to what happens to this aluminum can that has a shrink sleeve on it when it goes through a facility like yours. It doesn't have to be yours, but obviously let's talk about EcoCycle. So this, this comes to you. What yeah. happens to this? Can I, can I take a, the steps to give a little bit of context of why it's why this is a thing. Yeah, please. <laughs> cool. So I'm going to take you back a little ways. So we've I don't know how many folks of our two people watching. Hello, um, have heard of the China's national storage policy. A really quick and simple aspect of it, like. We, the U.S., were shipping a massive amount of materials. I believe it was up to 70% of our plastics to China. Um, European Union, I believe it was almost all of their plastic was going over to China. And China was getting a massive amount of contamination. I believe it was upwards to 35% was what they were accepting for contamination. So that would be things like, think latex gloves, syringes, candy bar wrappers, things that are not traditionally recyclable, as we would say, or hazardous. They were like, we're not doing this anymore. We're getting too much trash. We're getting too much contamination. Um, there were environmental side effects, obviously, to having all of this trash going to one spot. So a few years back, China was like, we're not doing it. So they put that, they wrote their uh, national sword policy. They stopped collecting or taking materials from the US and Europe. Uh, I believe they actually said it was like a way lower uh, contamination rate that they would accept. It was like 0.5%. Not, you just, that's not possible. <laughs> it's just not possible to have that level of contamination. Um, even with the best guidelines and the most passionate people <laughs> recycling. Um, so what happened was all of the recyclers in the U.S. then who had been shipping overseas then needed to find local end markets for the recycling. Um, so like glass, right? We already, I already said that we have somebody local that buys our glass. EcoCycle's been really lucky. We always kept our stuff within the U.S. That was like part of the mission is keeping it where we know that the materials are being handled well, they're not being incinerated, all of that good stuff. 
not everybody was EcoCycle and doing that from the beginning. <laughs> so all these folks had to find these local end markets and then they noticed, you have to notice and think that like competition for those end markets would be really steep. So yeah. local end markets then can say, well, no, we don't, we're going to take a way lower contamination rate then. Um, so you're really having people jockey for that position and get their material sold. So <laughs> that's, that's one part right there. Yeah. With the aluminum can then is that that's so important that you remove that plastic sleeve. Now I can go into the mechanics of it, but we, we want the aluminum recycled. We want the, we want any type of label. We would love for that to be recyclable, but it's not, but that's plastic. So if the aluminum with the plastic label goes into the aluminum bin, that's plastic in aluminum as contamination. Mm -hmm. If for some reason the aluminum with the plastic on it gets put in the plastic bin, that's bad because it's contamination and you're taking aluminum that's endlessly recyclable and you're sending it somewhere other than an aluminum recycler. Right. Totally. So that's, that's the, the overarching theme. Yeah. <laughs> but do you want me to get into the mechanics? No, I just, I thought it was interesting, um, the, the process, um, and probably the elementary school kids who go in from Boulder and tour would see this, like I've never been on the tour. I haven't even, you know, I haven't even been invited. It's whatever, I'll get over it, but we'll it's We'll see fine. how this goes. Okay, okay. So, uh, but what I thought was really interesting is that this can will get, uh, it, it, the, the sharks with the laser beams will, either see the, it'll, it'll say this is PET, and then as it's going down, it's getting scanned, it's like, okay, that's PET, and it kicks it into PET, again, to your point, it's one, contaminating the PET supply, and two, it's not, it's, it's not doing what aluminum should be doing, which is being recycled. Um, or it recognizes that it's aluminum, because maybe it hits it on the top or on the bottom, and then it makes it into, and, and I just never thought of that, I think I just right. sort of thought of recycling centers as like, I don't know, like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and just everything. It is like that. And everybody knew a hundred percent. Oh, like they, they would pick this up and they just, they knew this, this goes in the dump because we don't right. want that. Um, and that's another thing I, I think for just packaging folks in general who, who may listen to this, you know, later when it's on the podcast, maybe not live, but is that, um, I think it's okay. And at some point in time, we have to start really challenging CPG companies to do what how to recycle has already started to kind of do, which is put a giant X, put on there, throw this in the trash. If that's where it's, if that's its best place, because it, not everything is going to be recyclable in, in every market. Do you know what I mean? Like you guys are, are certainly awesome and unique. And then there's other, I'm sure there's other nonprofits who are doing incredible things. Um, and it seems as though that might take uh, effort on, on the part of, and not everybody, you know, like I'll, I'll I don't know, I'll use a, a town that's not Boulder, um, Topeka, Kansas, just a random town. So <laughs> not everybody in Topeka, Kansas is going to be as environmentally conscious or aware as, people who, who tend to live in Boulder. And so the, the, the mass amount of people may, may need to just be told, Hey, remove this label or throw this in the trash. And, and I, I kind of hesitate to say that because it seems so negative, but at the same time, as a recycling person, do you think that that would be helpful if all you got say a hundred percent of the things that came in were, were perfectly recyclable for the place that they had to be, I would venture to guess then that the throughput would be a lot easier. You know, the, the process would become easier um, because we are introducing, as a consumer, when I put this in, I'm introducing contamination and I'm, I'm actually making this difficult for either you or the, yeah. was it the smelter? Is that what you? The smelter, yeah. That's um, a cool. I, that that might be a fun. Uh, that'd be a great rap name. It's also a name of a fish. A fish. Fish is called a smelt. A certain, like a yeah. Huh. 
Well, if you ever want, if you ever want to, if you ever want a rap career and Miss Frizzle doesn't work out, then uh, I think Kate the Smelter. It would be yeah. a pretty killer rap name. Anyway, maybe it would be like Miss Frizzle the Smelter. Oh yeah, you could do that. You could do both. You could do both. I, I won't judge you. So, so is that is that something that you've encouraged um, brands? If if for some reason they just can't make the packaging recyclable to the masses. Do you encourage them to put on there, just throw this in the trash, please. It's actually the best place for it. I do, I do. So, you know, we talked about, we, you had mentioned the chasing arrow symbol uh, on things and people look at the bottom of their, any type of plastic, anything lately has that lid, that chasing symbol on it. Um, and every time I do a training, I have somebody like, but it's recyclable, it says, it's got the, the symbol on it. Well, that's a resin code. It has nothing to do with anything you need to know, <laughs> really. Um, huh. I'm, I'm more of a fan of not, I would never tell somebody to necessarily put, put in landfill on something. Um, we're always innovating, number one, right? So like what's, what's relevant today could possibly be relevant tomorrow when some high school kid invents some incredible opportunity for recycling this one tchotchke thing. Yeah. I do, however, have very strong feelings about when people put, please recycle on something that they haven't taken to, to a MRF. Like it's great if you have designers that you're working with that care about the, the end market or the end of life of that material. They don't run a recycling center. Yeah. Oh, no bring it to a recycling center ask somebody what do I do with this like it, as a designer that's that to me as a packaging person that means the world when I have somebody have that conversation with me we want to put please recycle on this give it to me I take a look at it well it's not recyclable here yeah <laughs> so that confuse people and they're staring, they're staring at mattresses and cooking oil. And you're like, this isn't recyclable here. That's got to be a pretty powerful message. That and like, it's, it's very interesting to see where there's a disconnect. There have been items that have come through the recycling center that have had post-its on them. Dear recycler, this is recyclable. It's a number this. Like, telling us that it's recyclable. It's like, that's lovely that you thought that that was recyclable, but that's not how that works. Yeah. If you tell us <laughs> that it says it's recyclable, if we don't have an end market for it. We don't have a way to sort it in a way that will allow us in a facility that can go, um, that can process up to 70,000 tons of material in a year. Like <laughs> it's just, it's not going to work. Right. So what about paper labels on like an HDPE bottle that you can't tear off? Are those fine? Yeah, that's fine. Um, okay. Tell anybody to take that off. Same thing with glass. Like we have Ninja Star kind of things that crush up the glass. Um, I don't think that's what they're called, but. I'll go for it. <laughs> I like to think of, think of it like that. Yeah. Uh, they crush up the glass. They're two inches apart. That's why we always say never put anything in the recycling that's smaller than two inches because it'll get sorted with our glass. The glass falls through. Um, we don't have to worry about the paper. It gets incinerated off. Yeah. But to go back to the aluminum can issue with that, with the shrink wrap on it or pressure applied labels, um, I kind of want to take you guys on a tour of the recycling center really fast. It'll be, it'll be, Verbal, but like close your eyes and let it sink in. But wear your face mask, social distance. Please, six feet yeah. apart. Always. Okay. Yes. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go on the tour. Right. <laughs> so the truck pulls in in the tipping room floor, opens up the truck, everything spills out. It's either uh, residential or commercial that day. You can usually tell by the cardboard. There's more cardboard in commercial, though I wonder if now you're starting to see a tip. Right. With shipping packages and stuff. Yeah. It all gets funneled into a conveyor belt, and the first step is where the cardboard comes off the top of it. Um, it's kind of like the Brazil nut in your trail mix. The chocolate chips fall to the bottom, the Brazil nut stays on top, right? Yeah, stupid Brazil nuts. I, I know, just want the right? chocolate Nobody chips. Nobody wants that many. I know, exactly. I know. All right. You gotta eat the healthy stuff first. 
<laughs> so it comes off the top. The Ninja Stars are working down on the bottom, right? Crushing up the glass. It's falling down. It has its own conveyor belt underneath. Then it comes through the first human sort. There's a line of folks in armor um, that are making sure there's no contamination, like uh, transmissions shouldn't be dropped off at a recycling center, things like that. Um, plastic bags, that's our number one bad thing that comes through the recycling center. When you drop off your recycling, don't bag it. It doesn't need to be bagged. Put it in a tote and dump it in your can because those bags get wound up in the next process. Where you're gonna see these things that we call stair climbers. They're like rubber flippers that are turning really fast. Yeah. And then the paper to go up over the flippers like a vortex and fall off the back. So ideally after this sort, you have left are your 3D objects, which is why it's so important to not smash your aluminum cans because those will be read as paper, right? They'll go over the top of those flippers. Um, and that's also where the, all that plastic gets wound up and mm -hmm. three times a day, somebody has to crawl in there and rip them out of the machine, which is just, you don't want to do that. That's awful. No. Then the, then it's the 3D sort. So then the, um, the magnets come through and all of the cans start coming up and sticking to it. And then those go away. And then the next part's the coolest part. It's the optical sorter that shoots the laser through the plastic to figure out what the density of the plastic is. And then it shoots it with a gust of air down this blue octopus looking like arm tube thing to the right bin. And then that's where it lives. It's really cool. After that, the only material that's left is the aluminum can. It goes to an eddy current, which is magic, essentially, because in, like, it has magnets going in opposite directions, spinning, and it, for a split second, makes that aluminum can magnetic, which aluminum's not magnetic. <laughs> but for one split second, it is, and it shoots it again through an octopus arm into the right bin. That does not happen if the laser reads through that plastic label and that label gets read as plastic, it shoots into the plastic bin, becomes contamination, right? Hmm. So that's that whole big thing. All um, I heard, all I heard, and I hope that there are children who listen to that because so far I've heard lasers, vortex, ninja stars, <laughs> and magic. And octopus arms. And octopus arms, recycling sounds incredible. It is. Describe it like that. It's really <laughs> awesome. Um, that's that's so cool. Uh, by the way, my wife and I are uh, we're authoring a children's book about packaging. Um, that I, I I hope it comes out later this year, but um, we may have to have a follow up on uh, on on packaging and recycling, and because that the, like I could just see a child like describing or like writing it and then there were these octopus and it's like an actual octopus you know yeah. like coming down and, and then there's miss frizzle guiding them on the magic school bus it's going to be great I i'm just waiting for the day when somebody makes in a, a pinball machine for a recycling center and make the ball look like aluminum foil that's been balled up right how cool would that be with That'd the like arm flipper kind of thing <laughs> and <laughs> so cool that would be incredible um <laughs> Oh man. All right. Well, that, that's, and, and that's, it's so, it's so critical to understand um, the, the process because, and this is, this is my mini soapbox is, you know, I work for a manufacturing company. We make things. And if the input is bad, so let's say a label or a piece of label artwork comes over and the ingredient deck is all wrong and the instructions are all wrong, and the proof gets signed off by somebody. So bad input coming in, it prints correctly, but maybe, maybe our color, our inks are off, and we didn't mix our inks properly. So now we have a secondary piece of bad input, and it comes out, and then the end user gets it, the, the customer gets their labels, and they go, this is all wrong. And as, at, let, let's just say even we mix everything correctly. We do everything the way that we're supposed to do it. And the end user is like, this still is all wrong. What's going on? And we're like, well, here's your proof. 
and they say, oh, no, 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 that should have never been approved. Well, the input was bad, which makes the output yeah. incorrect. And so when it comes to the supply chain of recycling, and I think this is probably where you get so passionate about it, and I, you know, for me, I've just become more passionate about it, is if, if we, can either, we can either continue to innovate on the processes, which I think we're, we're continuing to see, and I know that Europe has done a lot of innovations around processing and handling materials, but we can also be educating the input which is all of America. <laughs> I mean, I put a post yesterday and I said, I said, everybody is a packaging buyer. You don't know it, but you buy packaging every single day. When you order from Amazon and you get a box in, that small company we were talking about, and you get a, you get a box in and inside of that box is some bubble wrap and inside of that is a little retail thing and you open up, you've bought all of that packaging, you own it. And now you have to do something with it. Um, Tom Zaki's book, The Future Packaging, talks a lot about that. And people don't think about that, but you have, you have purchased the packaging along with the product. And now you have to do something with it. And I think everybody is just uneducated and lazy um, and naive. And there's, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that that is sort of the, 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 the masses, I guess, are just, it's, there's not understanding there because... And, and thankfully, I think we're seeing a lot more brands step up and say, well, it's, we're going we're gonna to own it now. Because they're not just buying our product, they're buying our packaging as well. And so we're going to own that and we're going to help educate them. Right. Well, that, and that really is the thing like, that I find really interesting. If you read the Upcycle, um, the second edition, essentially, to Cradle to Cradle, the phenomenal read, but in it, um, they talk about being able to, like the com a company in Europe owns um, carpeting, for example. And that carpeting, even though it's been purchased, it's actually been leased by the person whose house it is now in. Um, and then when that person wants to get rid of the carpeting, the company buys it and takes it back. It is their responsibility to dispose of that. So for us, that's really gonna, that uh, is, is um, more, um, sorry, more extended producer responsibility, EPR. Yeah. And that is going to be huge because if you really think about trying to educate the consumer, you're 100% right that the person in Kansas versus the person in, I can't even say Colorado because it's, you know, Boulder is different than Denver is different than Salida or Pueblo or you know, all of these different places so Right. come up with universal guidelines. Well, that's wonderful, but it would also be great if we found a way where we could just ship the materials th that were created to be reused back to where they will be reused by the manufacturer. It just makes more sense. And honestly, I would argue that it, it brings more brand loyalty as well. So like, look at Patagonia, look at Prana, places like that where you could go to the renewal workshop with your really great um, Patagonia jacket that just needed a new zipper, right? And it's gonna have a completely new life. While that's not packaging specifically, it's a great blueprint yeah. designed for that. You know, I, I think that's really where the, the future yep. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, well, I, uh, um, I think that we, we should have a follow-up to this because I think it's super, uh, it, it's just incredibly important for sure. Um, and, and you know, it, it's, 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 it's continually evolving, like you said. Um, and there, there's so many octopus tentacles uh, at the, in this whole thing. Uh, um, but I, I know it's been, it, it's been super helpful. So uh, maybe I'll just kind of wrap it up with it, with this. So, uh, people in Colorado, anybody, I don't know, are you guys open right now? Like, can anybody call you up ahead of time and come in and tour the facility or is that still? No, nah, we're not doing tours or anything right now, but we're developing, um, videos. They're coming out all the time. Check out the EcoCycle website there. Okay. It'll tell you what, what makes something re recyclable. Um, it's content that's designed to have a wider audience than just in Colorado or Boulder. So please out, sign up for those videos. We're also developing um, a training 
uh, moving forward. It would be based on Boulder County guidelines, but it will show you the MRF as well. Um, so it'll take footage from that. So you can see why something's recyclable or not, and then how it's being recycled in the facility. So that's coming down the pipe as well, and that would be on the EcoCycle website. Awesome. So residents, individuals, they can go to ecocycle.org. And then for companies, and I know that you guys do a lot of work with, with, with corporations, like we talked about already, um, they, uh, you know, can they reach out to you directly if they have questions? For sure. Okay, we, awesome. Yeah, my email, it's super simple, katec at ecocycle.org. Uh, shoot me an email anytime. And if you forget my email, just go to the uh, generic EcoCycle address and say Kate C sent you because there's multiple Kates. Um, awesome. Or like the Miss um, Frizzle of Recycling, that should come to me as well. Um, yeah. And I'm sure to get back to you. And I, these are the kinds of things that I love to talk about. So please reach out. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and what a time to, to be educating and learning um, right now because it's, it's such a, you know, this, this was actually really interesting, but um, yesterday, this is another conversation, but yesterday I had a whole meeting about the fact that single use plastics um, because of COVID-19 are, are expected to rise significantly and the mixed, it's the mixed stuff. Um, so because of like, you know, hand sanitizers and even like ketchups and mustards where you normally would just grab it and pour it now we'll be in tear tops. Um, and it's just, it's an, it's a really, it's just an interesting dynamic. So that's maybe a secondary conversation, but uh, do it next time. For let's sure. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so Kate C at ecocycle.org uh, for anybody, if you have questions, um, you've been super accommodating with your time. So I appreciate that. And uh, I'm glad that we could try to do this live. Um, shout out to my mom and uh, my friend, Joe. And uh, who else come? Uh, looks like, uh, Oh, uh, Joelle, her son plays on a basketball program, but I help coach. So awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So we really crushed it. Uh, we're, I'm, I'm basically like Gary V is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, once it gets up on LinkedIn, we'll share it around. I'm sure people will be interested. Yeah. Come up nicely for the next one. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Um, so really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Um, and everyone check out ecocycle.org and do your part. Sweet. Stop live stream.